Hey everyone, welcome to In the Dark. I am sorry I've been out for so long. I have been recovering from being sick for over a week now. I took about five days in. I was, after I'd done my last podcast, I was going to do another one and woke up the one morning and I was super sick. Um, No idea if it was COVID. I didn't get tested. I didn't want to get tested. I I didn't really, I don't know. I've heard just, you know, we're just hearing so much stuff about things that some of that fear, you know, it just kind of creeps in. You don't know if there's stuff on the Q-tip or what, but just thoughts that go through your mind. So I thought, well, I'm going to try to really, you know, stick this out, see how well I do with it. And worse comes to worse, I'll get tested. But I didn't have to. I, I, um, it was like every day you just get a little bit better each day, just a little smidge better. It wasn't very um, fast. It took a while. There was I had fever, body aches, nose, head stuff. You know, a little bit of chest congestion. Really, not much cough. It wasn't really that. It's just like a lot of fatigue and, you know, just really crazy stuff. So I was really um, a little worried, but you know, I had it and it went through our house. And I'm still recovering from it. I'm not quite all the way there yet, but I thought, my gosh, I really need to get on there and get a podcast done, you know? So here I am finally. So I apologize to everybody for the the long wait. I just, it couldn't be helped. My, My voice sounded terrible and I was so stuffed up. My nose was just terribly stuffed up and, uh, just wasn't really appropriate for podcasting. (laughs) So, um, I wanted to finish up this, this little series I had done with Ted Gunderson. Um, there's going to be more about him, but you know, there'll, there'll be like, you know, episodes where there's a few episodes in regards to uh, like certain topics. And, um, this man spent 25 years of his life after retirement, you know, getting the word out to everybody. He was a whistleblower. He was, um, I've said this in my other podcast, but in case you didn't catch it, he was a retired FBI agent, worked for the FBI for over 30 years, was one of the heads. Um, he wasn't anti-government, didn't believe in terrorism. You know, he stated that there were a lot of good people in the FBI and CIA, Naval, Army, military, intelligence, NSA, and fortunately for us, there were a lot of, or a few, really good people in key positions that have really made a difference in America today. So upon his retirement, he was assigned a case, and it was a Jeffrey McDonald case, who was a um, Green Beret that was accused of murdering his wife and children. And he didn't. He was innocent. He was set up by Satanist um, members, you know, cult members that were connected to the government and framed and thrown in prison. So Gunderson, upon this case, he had um, started to realize that there was a lot going on that we were, we are completely unaware of. We were. And he was completely unaware of in his entire time in the FBI. 
and he just kept digging deeper and digger, you know, deeper, and it just took him farther and farther down the rabbit hole where he uncovered this mess that is really our government. That's it's completely crooked. And he spent his life trying to get the word out to us. And he had a lot of death threats and several things that had happened to him throughout this time. But I believe, I believe that the Lord protected him. I believe he was a messenger of God. Uh, he did die mysteriously as well. So, so I wanted to get into nine eleven. Um, so where I left off, I was talking about the Oklahoma city bombing and how these people are, the, the, these FBI CIA members are destroying people's lives. So we get into nine 11, uh, Michael Reconosudo is in prison at the time. Um, I spoke about him in my last episode, so you might want to go back and catch that. I don't want to keep reiterating the whole, you know, episode here. So if you don't know anything, if you you know, don't understand anything I'm talking about, just go back and catch the previous episodes. And give me one second here. Uh, so Ted Gunderson was Michael Reconosudo's quote, investigator of record, which means he's like an attorney. He should have had access to him on a regular basis. Gunderson represented Michael, basically. He was, you know, same thing as his attorney. And attorneys are supposed to have access to all of their clients, no matter what. But he couldn't. For a year and a half, prior to 9-11, Gunderson had tried to get in to see Michael. He was in prison in northern Pennsylvania, Gunderson was in the Philadelphia area at the time. The Bureau of Prisons wouldn't allow Gunderson to see Michael, and he was finally able to talk to Michael in January of 2003. He flew to the East Coast and spent three days with him. Michael had told Gunderson that he had developed information from among his contacts in advance of 9-11 that they were involved in using missile Missiles, airplane missiles, skyjackings, they were training Arab terrorists, and also he knew the identity of the person in the United States, an Arab who lived in Patterson, New Jersey, who was the leader of the terrorist activity by the Arabs in this country. The reason Michael had this information, you're probably wondering how he got it, being in prison, Gunderson had met with Osama bin Laden along with Michael and along with the State Department representative in the spring of 1986. At that time, Gunderson was contacted by former top Reagan, Ronald Reagan official, who asked, you know, if they could help the Arab rebels. They were our friends at the time, supposed friends. Gunderson had called Michael and asked, what do you think? And he said, let's meet. There was a fourth fellow there at this meeting. They didn't know at the time. It was actually Bin Laden himself, who used the name Tim Osman, who traveled in on a Turkish passport. But because of Michael, Gunderson passed the ball to him. Basically, he arranged for the meeting and went on. But Michael had traveled all over the world, putting the package together 
to furnish the Afghan rebels with the serviced air missiles that defeated the Soviets, really. Uh, give me one second here. Okay, I'm back, guys. I'm sorry, I have to... Like I said, I'm still dealing with this cold thing, so bear with me here if I have to break it up a little bit. So, as I was saying, um, Michael had arranged for the meeting, and Gunderson had basically went on to do his thing. But in the meantime, Michael had traveled all over the world, putting the package together to furnish the Afghan rebels with the serviced air missiles that defeated the Soviets. And these are the missiles that actually shot down their helicopters. As a result of this, Michael developed sources inside the Arab world, and that's how Michael knew in advance about 9-11. Michael told the FBI on March the 20th, 2001, about this plan to use skyjacked airplanes as missiles. He also furnished to the FBI one of his confidential sources inside this Arab group. The FBI interviewed him, and upon inter interviewing him, they threatened him with prosecution and deported him. This is the man that the FBI interviewed. Um, this is the confidential informant of Michael's that they threatened, and they, en and they ended up deporting him. But that man, along with his family, um, disappeared. They think they're actually dead. They just disappeared off the face of the earth. The FBI absolutely refused to look into the situation. More shocking is that Michael had the names of the people, the false names of the Arab people who were obtaining passports, had their names. He had the source who could furnish that information as well. He told the FBI agent, Keith Kutry, on March the 20th, 2001, he would give these names to the FBI, the names of the Arabs that were coordinating the whole project, providing he get immunity and Gunderson also be given immunity. Mr. Kutry, in spite of the fact he was armed with this information six months prior to 9-11, came back two days after 9-11 on the 13th and saw Michael in prison, again accused Michael of being anti-government, anti-FBI, and of being a publicity seeker, and so forth, being disloyal, and on and on. Michael, of course, didn't have much to say after that, but the FBI had this information, and they did nothing with it. Kutry admitted on September 13th, that the FBI had the information and did nothing with it. So after Gunderson had met with Michael in 2003, he felt it was important <clears throat> to confirm that the FBI had indeed met with him, with Michael. The Bureau of Prisons would not furnish Michael with the visitor's list to confirm it, so Gunderson started writing letters to the FBI through Senator George Allen to confirm they did, in fact, meet with him. He wanted to document it. That's why he was pushing for this. Gunderson also asked for the identity of the other agent who was with Agent Kutry. It took Gunderson a year and a half writing to the FBI to get them to admit they had interviewed Michael on March twentieth, two 2001. 
So he was finally able to document that in one of his reports. Gunderson used to keep everything that he would research. He would document it and put it in his reports for the American people to know. Gunderson felt compelled. He had all that training, so he felt compelled as an ex-FBI agent to do everything he could to educate his fellow Americans. And he just wanted everybody to know what was going on behind the scenes. He felt as a former FBI agent, and an honest and decent one, he felt it was his duty. <clears throat> we have... We have being operated and orchestrated primarily by United States military intelligence, covert criminal enterprise involving the FBI and CIA active in this country. It's being covered up right from the beginning. They're using FBI informants to set up and frame people. The tried... I'm sorry, they tried to set up and frame Gunderson back in 1984 on a drug deal. It didn't work. The girl that they tried to use to frame him contacted him and said she needed to meet with him. She had had a change of heart, though, when she was, they had, the FBI had uh, recruited her, the CIA, FBI had recruited this woman, and throughout this, you know, whole ordeal, she had had a change of heart with Gunderson and decided to tell Gunderson what was going on. And I felt that that was God protecting his warrior for the people right there. You know, this was protection from God. She ended up telling him the whole story. He took a signed statement from her. Her name was Pam Fawcett. He had said to her that she was working for these people, the DEA, Modesto, and the FBI. She was making the phone calls to Gunderson and so forth. She was working for these people, trying to set him up. In the phone calls, she kept trying to get him to make admissions that he had knowledge of a felony, and he wouldn't. And he told her he had no knowledge of what she was trying to coax him to acknowledge, or that he was involved in any felony. Gunderson said to her that she was working for these people for six months. They gave her $2,000. She had the run of the FBI office, even had her own coffee cup, which is a big deal in that world. He asked why she had come to him and told him all this. He had even given her advice about her 14-year-old son in the interim of all this, as in, as basically any decent human being would do. She said, Ted, I woke up the other morning and I realized you're the only honest son of a bitch I had talked to in this whole past six months. The FBI not only had tried to set Gunderson up on a drug deal, they also made it so he was the victim of four separate investigations. They tried to set him up on a fraud case in Dallas. He was under heavy surveillance, illegal entries into his car and his apartment. There were attempts to gas him. He was able to anticipate and avoid that. He just had so many things, you know, so many attempts on his life and frozen bank accounts, so much stuff. It was so obvious what was going on. They don't want people like Gunderson out telling the truth. He never stopped. He continued on until his very suspicious death. He was not a conspiracy theorist. He was a conspiracy realist. It's there. 
If you do the research, it's there. There's a lot of disinformation out there, but if you do the research, do your own research, you know, you can pick out what's really solid and truthful. If you're close to God, I believe you can feel it. It's discernment. I believe the Holy Spirit shows you the truth. Like you feel it through your heart, you know, through your spirit. So 25 years of research from Gunderson. We need to wake up America. It's an apathetic sleeping society. MK Ultra, CIA. Satanism is tied into it. You know, it's all there. There are approximately 4.5 and more million practicing Satanists in America today. These aren't just the dregs of society either, guys. These are, you know, doctors, lawyers, politicians, businessmen, dentists, policemen, firefighters, church, you know, pastors. It's everywhere. It's infiltrated every part of society right down to the CIA. I should say right up to the CIA, FBI, IRS, all of it. It's there. There are 50 to 60,000 human sacrifices in our country a year. I will be back in a moment. Okay, you guys, I'm back. I had to get myself together here a little bit more. Um, my grandson woke up, so I had to hightail it out of there and switch areas to do this. Um, so as I was saying, let me just reiterate this again. There are approximately 4.5 million or more practicing Satanists in America today. And as I said, you're talking teachers, politicians, firefighters, doctors, librarians, you know, college professors, gym teachers, daycare center owners. It's just everywhere, guys. If this isn't, these aren't people that are, you know, shooting up heroin in dugouts, you know, or, or kids that are into witchcraft. These are, these are grown, decent, you know, seemingly decent adults that are functioning adults in society that are contributors to towns and, you know, everything. These are the people that are involved in this, that run the show in these kind of organizations, you know. There was a Jewish man that came on well, he's what they call, Jesus would call fake Jews. Um, he, he said that in the Bible, that um, the men that, you know, the people that claim to be Jews are fake Jews. They're not really Jewish. And he said that this man that had come on and do the interview said that, you know, they, they the aborted babies, they take the meat, you know, they, they use them as meat and they, they put it in the, the sausages and McDonald's. And he was laughing about it. He was supposed to be one of the global world leaders of America. And there was an interview with him that I saw years ago. And I remember how he was laughing about it. He called, they consider the white people, or not just the white people, people in general that aren't Jewish. They consider, they call them goyim, which is like another word for pig. And 
They said that they feed our children back to us. And these are sacred. They're, they're Satanists. They, they take some of the Satanists that have come out. The whistleblowers said that they meet in churches. There's my dad messaging me. Meet in churches and in the basements. And that's where they do these human sacrifices around Halloween time. There's certain times of the year that they do this stuff. It's right in our faces. Like they're telling us people, you know, the whistleblowers are coming out and telling us. And then they're, they're labeled conspiracy theorists. They're labeled crazy. You know, the people that are doing these things are coming out and telling us and they're laughing about it. And they, and everybody says, oh, they're just, they're not, that's not real. You know, that can't be real. They would never do that. You know, and supposedly the law of the, in the spirit realm the law is that they can't do anything unless we have knowledge of it, unless we basically give our permission or we have knowledge of it. And that's why they do what they do. They do interviews and they say this stuff and then people just laugh it off. You know, they say it's not really a world leader. He's some nut that they picked off the street to do this interview to make people scared, you know, or, you know, they're just making this stuff up. If they're all making this stuff up, then how are their sacrifices going on? How are there 4.5 million Satanists practicing in America today? How can it all be made up? How can it all be conspiracy? It can't, guys. It's real. It's going on. This is happening. There are children and babies being abducted by the thousands, tens of thousands a year. And they're being used as sacrifices in satanic cults that are led by the politicians that lead our country. I mean, does any of this stuff ring true? You know, do, do, when, you, when, you, when you hear this stuff, do you ever pause and think, my God, you know, what if that's true? What if my need to not believe that is, is overpowering this so much that I won't face the truth, that I won't, I won't listen, I won't believe because it's too much, it's too fantastical to believe in something like that. I want to trust my government so desperately. I want to believe in these people. I want to know that they're out to protect us. And you need that so much that you won't see the truth, you refuse to. And that's the majority of the problem. People don't want to leave their security. They don't want, you know, their, their, the, their home, the happy home, you know, the job, the home, the car, the kids. They don't want to, you know, believe that anything is wrong, that anything wrong is going on. You know, look what they did to the soldiers in Vietnam. I mean, my God, that alone should tell you so much. They drugged them. They did drug testing on them to see how they'd react. You can't honestly believe that our government is the good guys. There are good guys. Like Gunderson said, there's a few, you know, really good people in key positions, thank God. And that's God. That's God putting those people there, choosing people and putting them there because of this battle. We're in a full-fledged battle 
down here. This is a battle like nobody's ever seen. You can't even imagine if you could see into the spirit realm. It would break your mind. You wouldn't believe what's around you and what's going on at all times. Every time you have a fight with your spouse, that's a demon. Demons are involved. I'll tell you something before I end this. So, as I said, 50 and 60,000 human sacrifices in our country a year go on. This is a serious threat to our society, and it ties in with the government. Okay? You guys have got to wake up. You have to understand. If you don't want to believe it, you need to start believing. You need to start doing some research. This man did not spend 30 years working for an organization that he loved and respected and believed in to retire and find out that they're completely corrupt and risk his life telling us this stuff for no reason. That doesn't happen. Okay, it just doesn't happen. What he said, what Ted Gunderson did, he was a true warrior. He was an amazing man, and I, I applaud him for what he did. And thank God we had him, and, and we need so many more like him. We need so many more. And everybody's just asleep. You know, the masses are just asleep. They just don't care. They don't care. They don't want to be bothered. Where are the people that are willing to die for what's right? to fight and die for our country. Where are they? You know, it just, it, it just, it's heartbreaking. One of the things, that was pretty much it to talk about Ted, um, Ted Gunderson. That was the close out of that particular section. But one of my thoughts I had and then one of the things I believe needs to be enacted are these bills that they're being, they're being passed. These bills need to be read. They're not getting read. I believe it has to be a requirement that they stop writing them to be so long, hundreds of pages. Why? So much slipped in there. To go unnoticed and most of the members politicians don't read them they make them so long with technical terms so overwhelming they never bother to read them and then you mix that in with the fact that they own so many of these people through blackmail we don't even have a chance we need fighters we need warriors to stand against this to get engaged in the fight. These bills need to be read out loud live sessions on national television for all to hear to gauge the reactions and know what the hell is being passed and what's going on. They have live sessions for everything else. They live off of these, uh, the taxpayers. I think they can handle holding live sessions to pass something as important as a new law a new bill that affects every single one of us. And they don't. They hide it. They'll pass a bill, and in this bill, they'll, they'll, they'll you know, throw in some other stuff that we don't even know is there. The people that are signing the bills 
They don't know it's there. They just sign it. They don't want to bother to read a novel. And that's why they do it. The stuff needs to start being read. It needs to be read out loud before they get passed for the nation. That's what I truly believe. You know, have discussions about it. Gauge everybody's reactions. See what everybody thinks. And no changing anything once it's read. That's my opinion. There's a story. I've told you this in, in another podcast. The word tackle. I'm going to close with this. I wrote down this couple notes here. Mean, mean, or tackle. It means to be weighed in the balances and found wanting. There was a Bilderberg meeting. And I don't know if you guys know. I'm sure most of you know about the Bilderberg meetings. Okay. Um, they, you know, the world leaders get together. And they all, you know, have these secret meetings that they hold that are under very, very heavy surveillance. It's just, you know, like this secret basically the secret societies and they, they hold these meetings and they decide the fate of the world basically. So in the book, Daniel, Daniel five, let me see here. Bel Belshazzar's feast or the story of the writing on the wall is in Daniel chapter five tells how Belshazzar holds a great feast and drinks from the vessels that have been looted in the destruction of the first temple, one of God's temples. A hand appears and writes on the wall, writes the word mean, mean, tekel, a parson. And this means to be weighed in the balances and found wanting. Okay, this is from God. This is his meaning. So he had destroyed the first temple, and a hand appears and writes on the wall, the Lord's hand. The terrified Belshazzar calls for his wise men, but they are unable to read the writing. The queen advises him to send for Daniel, renowned for his wisdom. Daniel remind Belshazzar, reminds Belshazzar that his father Nebuchadnezzar, when he became arrogant, was thrown down until he learned that God has sovereignty over the kingdom of men. That's in Daniel 4. Belshazzar had like, likewise blasphemed God, and so God sent this hand. Daniel then reads the message and interprets it. God has numbered Belshazzar's days. He has been weighed and found wanting, and his kingdom will be given to the Medes and the Persians. That very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. That's in Daniel 5. 30 through 31. The message of Daniel 5 is the contrast it offers between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar as well. Nebuchadnezzar is humbled by God. Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's father, and he learns his lesson. He acknowledges the ultimate mm -hmm. kingship of the God of Israel and is restored to his throne. Belshazzar, in contrast, learns nothing from Nebuchadnezzar's example, blasphemes against God, and his kingdom is given to others. So, this word comes out, tekel. 
CERN's a big, I don't know if you guys know much about CERN. I, I will get into CERN later. That's a very big thing that's going on. A lot of people don't know a lot about CERN. You need to start like really checking into CERN if you don't know about it. It's spelled C-E-R-N. I will get into that later. Bilderberg meeting was going on and Oprah was, she was invited to it. You know, Rockefellers, all kinds of people that go. And this, one of the assistants came running into the meeting and said that this CERN decoder that they had spit out this word. They didn't understand what it, they did. This assistant didn't know what it meant, but felt it was weird that this had spit, you know, spit out this word. It had never done this before. And so this assistant runs it into the meeting and they read it. It was the word tekel. And this meeting went nuts. These people in this meeting started flipping out, you know, panicking, making phone calls. There was somebody there that saw the whole thing and they reported it and they said they went nuts. Like they knew these Satanists that run the show know their time is getting very, very short. This was God himself that sent this message through this machine is what I believe. So it was pretty crazy stuff. The other day I had a pretty, we had a fight, family feud at my house. Not a family feud. Well, it was kind of a family feud. A couple people were upset, highly upset with an individual. In my house, if you don't believe demons are real, let me assure you they are alive and kicking. Every single time I have had an argument with my my mate or one of my kids, you know, anything like that that happens in our family, cupboards start banging. We see shadow people running around the house. We see things. And this particular night, we were really upset with an individual in my family, something they had done that really upset us. And turned out, I mean, we were pretty upset. So it was pretty big to do, you know, going on in the house there. After this was over, the two people that were downstairs heard footsteps coming up the stairs person, three of us were upstairs. One of the people that was upstairs heard the footsteps and thought somebody had come up. The people downstairs didn't come up. They just heard something walking through the hall and coming up the steps. They saw a shadow person. And then in the one room, my daughter Chandler was there. She saw what almost looks like the hat man. It's a very bizarre figure that she sees it's a very large man and he wears a hat he's very tall and she saw him like kind of lean over and look at her out of a room this happens every single time i've had an argument with matt or you know any kind of like friction in the house we don't see this any other time too off i mean i can't say we never see it ever you know, there's a times like we've seen the little boy, um, we've had shadow stuff, but it, it gets like, you can tell like the uptick in activity in the house is crazy. They are there causing the drama, you know, the, 
the, the friction between people. They cause it and then they feed off of that energy. I know it. I've seen it time and time again and I just can never, I can't ever get over it that it's, it's, it's so real. It's so there. So the next time you have an argument with somebody or the next time you're really ticked off at somebody, even in traffic screaming, know that that's a demon that's causing you to get like that and feeding off of that negative energy because that's exactly what that is, guys. And we are giving them what we want or what they want every time we fall for it. So bear that in mind. Try to control yourself, to control that anger. Try to talk things out, be rational, because they're just feeding off of us. And they are alive and well. In every household in America and across the world, they are alive and well. So I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, wonderful holiday season. I'll try to get back on soon. Like I said, I am recovering now and I feel much better and I hope I continue to do so and, you know, hope things just work out. We're having a pretty high stressful situation in our family right now, but I'm, I'm going to pray that I am praying that it, you know, it all gets better and, you know, works out and hopefully God steps in and intervenes and really does some really neat stuff. I had one other thing, too, I want to tell you before I go. I was praying for somebody. I won't mention names. Somebody that has a really bad addiction issue. And I was standing at my dishwasher. This was about five days ago. Is my kitchen. I walked up to my kitchen. I was standing at my dishwasher. And I was looking down, and I was saying, this person needs to get a DUI. And I felt this way because I felt like they needed help. They needed to be monitored by an outside source, not because I wanted them to be in trouble with the law, but because I felt that their issue is so bad and it's so far gone that they need help. And that was really the only thing that came to mind, you know, that I rehab's been tried and talking's been tried and they've been trying to do it themselves and nothing's really working. And I thought maybe they just need a DUI. And I looked up to God and I said, you know, I said, God, I can't do it. I can't call and, you know, snitch somebody out. I was like, you have to do it. And guys, 20 minutes later, I got a phone call that this person had fallen asleep at a traffic light and got a DUI. It was amazing. I was sad. And at the same time, I was so relieved because I thought, now this person has to get help, whether they like it or not. This could save their life. Hopefully it's not something that ends them up in jail, you know, off and on because they can't abide by the rules of a probation officer. But there was a part of me, it was a family member that I love very much that was just so relieved that I just feel like this is the only way. I could be wrong, but I gave it to God and that's what he decided. So I thought that was pretty amazing. So that was another little story for you. What's been going on with my life lately. But I love you guys. I hope you have a great holiday. And I will be talking to you soon. God bless you all. Say your prayers. Stay safe. And keep rebuking those demons. Take care, guys.